You love it. It's time for the 20 Good Minutes podcast. Zealand, joined by my special guest today, Dr. Benji. Uh, ben, how are <laughs> you? Constantly furious when you do that every <laughs> single time. We did say, we sent a message to Lelujo, but he said he had more important things to do. So we yeah, you did a podcast with him, didn't you? Yeah, behind my the, back, he was on the he was on the Zealand podcast though. I yeah. wouldn't I wouldn't where's, dare replace no. your guest spot on Twenty Good Minutes. You know? That reminds me, where's that? Where's the lost footage? You don't know or the lost audio from months from literally a year ago now. You don't know, do you? Oh no, I do. I I still have that from the third <laughs> that my interview podcast, which is the fourth yeah. podcast of that that I wanted to start. I, I'll get that out soon then, if you really want me to. Yeah, but it might be well out of context now. I don't it's know. like a time anyway, capsule. It's probably still really interesting. For those that don't know, I sat down and really interviewed Dr. Benji for like 45 minutes for a, a podcast that I'm coming out with yeah. called What's Your Story? And my plan was to get a couple of interviews recorded before it came out. Uh, but the interview, I think that I had scheduled after that, it kind of fell through. And then I, it got lost to the mist of time. And honestly, I hadn't thought about it in like four months until mm. you just mentioned it. I think about it. I opened my heart to you. You did. In that podcast. It's a, it was a great, great interview. Yeah, so which is annoying because it's never come out. If that would have come out, no one would hate me. It was such a lovely podcast. Anyway, we're no, good. Yeah, I, I, okay, I'm, I'm going to get that out. But uh, I'm going to get that out like tomorrow, and you're just going to be sitting there going, "Hmm." I look forward to it. No, okay. it's good to be. Uh, it's good to be. It's good to be back. Twenty good minutes. Uh, the stream of showdown's finished. You won it. Well, oh no, hang on. Uh, no. Thanks, I appreciate that. I I won the hearts and minds of the people. That's all I care about. Yeah. Did you feel that extra pressure because we're your own team, or was I right, and was it just fine? I didn't feel the extra pressure at a certain point. I felt the pressure because I was getting my, I was getting kicked the first four matches. I was getting abused, uh, yeah. but I, I I turned it around pretty quickly, which was good. I, I won the last four matches of the league in the streamer showdown, which if you don't know what it is, is the football manager tournament that is fantastic. Uh, and I then went into the playoffs and got FM'd, and it was great. Yeah. Quarterfinal exit and uh, and the Lujo wins. That hurt. Uh, yeah, that hurt. You need, yeah, you need hurt, mate. Yeah. You need big friend. You need ah. big pal. You need best mate, Kevin. Uh, yeah, well, no, you really are you, are you jealous? He came on the Zealand podcast. Of course, of course, I was. Okay, well, you, you do realize we have our own podcast that we do like. Yes, every... but I thought we agreed to never talk to him outside of the network game. Oh, and then there he was, oh, cropping I, up. Well, I was, I was actually, it was a fact finding mission. I was trying to learn how to win a showdown. Eventually, I'll get there again. I mean, you might need, if you start a podcast with him, I'll know why now. It all makes sense. Yeah, uh, no, but the showdown, yeah, the showdown happened. It did. Uh, overall thoughts, because we upped, we upped things a little bit production wise. I don't know how much you caught of it. Obviously, taking part is quite difficult, isn't it? No, but, I, uh, I like to watch it back. Honestly, uh, usually if I do well. So in the league, I did pretty well. So I watched the Saturday broadcast yeah. and i think yeah you guys working behind the scenes in the lowdown and i i've been on the lowdown kind of one time but i've never been part of the hardcore production elements outside of providing the footage that's needed for those sorts of hype videos <laughs> yeah is you always push something forward every time 
which is cool to see. There's always something that you've never done before. There's always one scene, transition. Obviously, the intro is just super cool, and that's what everybody talks about, but that's just a minute and a half. And yeah. so it, there's always a, something that's being pushed further forward. I love the goal thing where if somebody scores in a game and oh, yeah. the people at the bottom <laughs> hit a little button and it says goal and so you know that a goal has happened in that game or something even if matt can't get to it right away uh, I mean, it's just a really good show and i feel like a lot of people don't a lot of people do know about it obviously because a ton of people watch but a lot of people don't know about it that would enjoy it too yeah we had, we had four thousand people watching the elimination game which is crazy really we weren't on the front page of twitch nothing like that just off our own back four thousand people tuned in to watch uh yeah a, a not even a demolition just a golden goal moment as mckins knocked out second yellow card but yeah it was a really fun weekend it was very different for me not being in the call with you guys the whole the whole night did you miss me because i'm usually there well i will say it was a bit of an anarch it was a lot of anarchy because normally you're the person moving it along and so it was just kind yeah. of it was a free-for-all and jack would jack forget jack forgot on more than one occasion to to tell us when he was the guy we were waiting for or something you know he, there were a couple of instances where jack kind of fumbled the ball and he, <laughs> some would say he resigned uh from his responsibility on a couple of occasions but it was overall it went well without you in there but there was there were significantly less bants all right you do a good job of keeping kev honest and it's, yeah. it gets even harder when the coalition for reason is smaller. I get it. Yeah. Well, you know what? Who knows? Maybe I'll return. Or maybe, I, maybe I've retired. Maybe this is now me. Maybe I'm just low down Ben. That's what they'll call me. Who knows? I didn't know you were the, you're like the, the new Curdy all of a sudden. Just the, the low down. Yeah. <laughs> Every single time you've got that pundit vibe to you, apparently. I was, that's, you know, you have to try and bring that out. But Katie did pretty well. Katie got to a final. He's, he can you now go back to his lowdown chair with a, with a final appearance under his belt. That's he not can, too bad, really. Yeah. He, he, he absolutely that. fluffed it against me and then won a penalty shootout against Tom. Yeah, it was, I, that honestly, was the game. I was wincing watching that because I knew, and this is nothing against Curdy because he managed it the only way that I think he could with his team. He didn't have a lot of confidence in his team, and so it was just about defending and being able to cancel out the opponent take advantage of a few opportunities but he, he like when i saw him beat tom i went oh dude kev's gonna win tom, tom <laughs> yeah. had a chance right i thought i had a chance against kev we drew when we played in the league or no actually i think he beat me two to one but that was during my losing streak then then i'd won four straight and i'd kind of figured my tactics out so i thought i had a really good chance against him and obviously tom was great this time around and then when curdy knocked both of us out i was oh man that's just not <laughs> That's that's not going to help us long term. Like it's great for Curdy because he'd never gotten out of the quarterfinals before. But at the same time, I don't know if his team has the ability to to beat Kev. And obviously, was yeah. right. Good knowledge, by the way. The fact you know that Curdy never got out. I'll give the lowdown credit. I guess they probably informed you of that. No, they it's did. Yeah, they have. Because... Well, you you always have those graphics of uh, oh, his yeah. farthest finish is the quarterfinal or something. Yeah, I'm, I love a, I love a stat. Uh, it's interesting because obviously because I'm on the lowdown and commentating throughout the evening. People have got this. I don't know what it is. See, people think I hate Kev. I don't know why. I, I I just hate the fact he's won seven now now seven times. I'd, I'd hate anyone winning seven times. It's just you know it's one of them, isn't it? It's, it's a dominant run that needs to be put to an end. Speaking of dominant runs that have been put to an end, Tom Brady. Yeah. Wow. You you in the NFL? I don't. Have we ever talked about NFL before? Not really, but I know that it's a big thing for you. So I thought I'd give you the opportunity to just you know speak. Yeah. Well, it. I mean the great the greatest American football player ever. 
has retired. Probably, probably one of the greatest athletes of all time in the history of the human race has retired. Uh, finally, he has more super league. He has more super leagues, more Super Bowls. <laughs> I have spent too much time talking about soccer now. I he has more Super Bowls than any other team, which is crazy to to think about. Yeah. So he's won these. Yeah, he's won the championship more than any individual team has, like any individual franchise in in American football. And he'll go down as a a Buccaneers great. Clearly, he's going to go into the Hall of Fame as a Buccaneer. Um, well, where does he where does he sit sort of in American culture? He's he's, he's beloved, right? Generally, but there's also yeah. there's probably well, I he also there's, there's he's got the advantage different. of he has this perfect little family and has never done really anything wrong in the public eye. And so yeah. he's cultivated a very nice image that way. And not to mention he is this pinnacle athlete, sort of. He He's the guy that always, he's the, I mean, you you value the clutch guy. He's the guy that's always clutch. Right? If you have one play and you need somebody to complete a pass to win, you know, with your life on the line, Tom Brady's the yeah. guy that you want to throw it. Yeah. And not to, to mention. I'm trying to think of the British equivalent. I'm trying, I was just trying to think of the British equivalent. I don't probably, know if there is because it's, the closest it comes is probably Beckham. I don't think there's anyone outside of David Beckham that could hold that. But there's another element to Brady, and that was his longevity, which, yeah. is, which that's what took him from being like, oh, he's in the go, he's in the great conversation. To he threw for the most yards of any season in his career last year, like this, yeah, like this wow. year at 44 years old. He's a cyborg. He's one of those people where you look, he's kind of like Ronaldo. You look at him and you go, every waking second they spend is dedicated to being in the best possible shape, right? The dude never yeah. eats ice cream. The, he, he's drinking kale shakes for breakfast every morning. He works out for 12 hours, right? And so at the age of 44, which is four years older than anybody else in the league, playing quarterback where uh, normally the oldest player is like a kicker. You know, he's older than all the kickers in the league. He's the oldest guy in the league by four years, and he's still the best. Uh, he has a chance to win the MVP award this year, which goes to the best player. And it's it's like him and one other guy, Aaron Rodgers, that are in the final round of the voting. Like He could, in the year that he retires at the age of 44, have won the award for the best player in the league. Where, where do you personally stand on him then? How, how do you feel towards him? I mean, I'm thankful, basically, because I think I got a unique sporting experience from him. He decided to come to my hometown team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which were a downtrodden, always have been a downtrodden franchise. We hadn't won a playoff game in 15 years. In you know, playoffs, there's 12 teams that make the playoff. Or there used to be 12 teams. Now it's 14. 12 teams yeah. that make the playoffs, and you know, winning one game is shouldn't be that hard that it takes 15 years we had never had a quarter we, the buccaneers have been around since the early 1970s we'd never had a quarterback sign a second contract with the team until tom brady wow that's again which, that, which was, that, was that on the uh, lowdown or that, that I, the <laughs> no that that's that's a long known buccaneers stat is that we are a quarterback cursed franchise and if you know anything about american football quarterbacks are very important <laughs> the only person that touches the ball on every play and is making the decision about where the ball is going. And so we had never had, we won a Super Bowl before Tom Brady. We won it with a quarterback named Brad Johnson, who was good enough, 
but he certainly wasn't great you know he was good enough for one season but then two years later we were cutting him because he wasn't up to standard anymore we won it with a great defense and so Tom Brady was the first guy that came in it was the first time in my life where we went into a season not worried at all about who our quarterback was yeah we knew who he was it's, it's Tom Brady it's so it was surreal I tell you the first year because he played in the league for 22 years I am 26 years old. That means when I was four years old, Tom Brady was a rookie on the New England Patriots. That means my entire life that I like remember watching sports, Tom Brady was a New England Patriot kicking everybody around. Yeah. And then it's, it's, it's going to be the culture shock, then, isn't it? The culture shock of him leaving is going to be like when Michael Jordan stopped playing basketball. It'll be like when Tiger Woods stops playing golf, when we see Federer and Nadal retire from tennis. It's, 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 that, it's that level of era ending basically yes so, and, and now, and and now, right it, now. It, it's open at the top i mean now it's open because you don't have to account for him anymore wherever the heck he happens to be i think part of the era ending was when he left new england Pe that was really jarring yeah. for a lot of people because he had 20 of the 22 years he was there and then he came to tampa for two years and the, the, the first time i saw him in a bucks uniform it looked like somebody had edited it you know it's like come on we're <laughs> we're not we don't win like that's not we don't have the greatest winner in the history of sports here now on our team we had a good team obviously and that's why he decided to come down here and uh, come down to tampa and tampa's a great place to live and so he just bought a house in an island and mm. showed up and decided to, to play there won a super bowl and <sighs> nearly nearly got to the conference championship game again that was not his fault that we didn't that's for sure yeah the only thing i can the only thing that comes close to me for that is when steven gerrard played for galaxy in LA and it was like this is just not right this feels so wrong yeah and I think this, he yeah. thought that too because he showed up and just was awful <laughs> yeah I, I think he realized it wasn't Liverpool that was that was a big change for him uh, I think LA Galaxy too is kind of like you you eat, you eat something and you think it's going to taste good but then it doesn't you just kind of spit it back out I think that's basically <laughs> what happened they signed him and then all of a sudden he wasn't that good because he wasn't that into it and LA Galaxy is sitting here like man I thought you were great and he was yeah. he was just not invested and kind of old and so they very quickly he stopped playing i think it was one year and then that was it he did, i think he did two he sort of half a year and then uh an extra bit but yeah i yeah. mean if i were games for liverpool 700 games for liverpool i think in all competitions and then yes yeah, so it goes to galaxy yeah it just looked just looked wrong not in a liverpool shirt now that's how tom brady looked in a bucks shirt and i'm a bucks fan but honestly by this year he was our boy you know, put him, put him in the Hall of Fame in our jersey. That's what I, I was going to say. Yeah, it's, now he's the guy, right? Now he's the for you at least. He's, he's, the, he's guy. The, the best quarterback the Bucks have ever had. That's for sure. And now, right, now we, he's gone. So, shall we? Uh, we, we sort of branch into football a little bit. Do you want to go to football, or do you want to go? Uh, which bit of football? Do you want to do the January window, or do you want to go uh, the, the the World Cup qualifiers? Yeah, uh, <laughs> thank you. Save thank the you. best. Save the best for last. Let's talk about the January window first. Oh God. Okay. Right. <laughs> I won't be talking for the half, final half hour of this podcast. Oh, yeah. um, <clears throat> Here we go. I'm ready. No, I, no, I'm so, prepared. So the, the January window, which is always, I always feel like is a massive anti-climax in like the footballing calendar. But this January... It wasn't this time. It wasn't anti-climax. It was quite interesting. Lots of weird things have happened, I would say, rather than necessarily interesting, just weird. Things that were never supposed to happen. Like if you, do, if you just said three years ago about some of the things that have happened in this window, like Donny van der Beek has now just gone out on loan from Manchester United. Deli Alli's joined him at Everton. Coutinho's at Aston Villa. <laughs> like there are some very weird... Chris Woods left Burnley. Like no one saw any of this coming, Z. <laughs> was there one transfer for you that's 
Shocked you. Have I named it there? Is there is an extra one? And Newcastle think, spending loads I, I of money as well. The admission by Manchester United that signing Donny Van de Beek was a mistake, and they just loan him out to Everton. That, that was that. I, that is so. Those moves are always so weird to me. Like you spent forty million dollars because you believed mm. that Donny Van de Beek was going to be part of this mid. You know, you you say you weren't going to have to play Fred. Basically, like that was yeah. that was the plan. And he just never, it it just never happened. And now it's obviously Ralph Ragnick looks at the kid too and goes, well, <laughs> well, maybe not. And so they just loan him out. I'm like, you spent some serious money to get him in. And speaking of serious money, the, the Vlahovic was probably the other one because I had heard everywhere yes. that he didn't want to leave Fiorentina until the summer. Yeah, but I, th I think it's, it's one of those things, isn't it? When... And the team that he's gone to comes about Juventus, to be clear, when Juventus come knocking. It's quite funny because a lot of Arsenal fans thought they were getting him about two weeks ago. And now he's just ended up at Juventus and that's going to be that now because he's 22. He's probably going to be there his whole career, I imagine. That, that's very typically Italian if a striker just goes and stays. You look at like Bellotti at Torino or Immobile since he's gone to Lazio. Like they feel very locked in in Italy. And, and then they're sort of built around, it feels like. So, yeah, I think he's going to be the guy. And people, like, people, to the point where people won't remember that he played for Fiorentina. In five years, you'll go, oh, yeah, he started. Oh, of course he did. Yeah, so he's going to be he's going to be very, very powerful for them. Very, very good. It's, it's, yeah, that's one of the bigger transfers in world football. Um, let's, can we talk about Deli Alley? Because it's, it's bizarre. Yeah, that, well, that, that, I guess that plays into Everton's window. They bring in Donny van der Beek on loan. And then they sign Deli Alley for free, but not... Because they do have like a ten million yeah. pound payment if he plays twenty games. That's, yeah, apparently there's loads of like, apparently he could go up to forty million pounds Holy if he smokes. does all the things that like, are expected <laughs> to be done. Such an Everton move. Yeah, it's a very and they and they let Luca Dean go as well. He's gone to Aston Villa with with Coutinho, so that's just as odd. But yeah, so with Deli Ali, I. I'll say it now, and, and it feels like obvious. But I, I used to do a football podcast with uh, with Jack Worth the Space and a couple of other friends of ours. And I was never on the Delhi Alley hype train, even when he was at his at his at his best. Really, it was never a case of me thinking he was the player who was going to be the guy. I always thought he was just see. Lucky seems a bit harsh. You get eighteen league goals in a season, like that's quite difficult to do. But since those eighteen league goals, he's got nine goals, five goals, eight goals, no goals, and then this year so far, one goal in the league. He the, the drop off from a player that was genuinely been talked about as like the second coming of like Lampard and Gerrard of that level of that ilk to now just to not even be at Tottenham anymore and to be with Frank Lampard at Everton which again is a weird thing to think about five years ago is very very strange uh, what, do you, what, have you, what have you made of Ali's career I guess is the question well I think I actually I was, I was talking about with somebody on stream but apparently he prefers just Delhi as a big issue with he does the last he does, name yeah. uh and that <laughs> I'm watching the All or Nothing Tottenham show right now. Okay. Literally right yes. now. I, I realized I'd not watched it, and so I just went, okay, I'm just going to start watching this. D Deli's issue is himself. I actually think, I, I, I'll tell you this. I trust Sir Alex Ferguson way more than I trust myself when it comes to appraising the quality of players. And I know as a Liverpool fan, that might hurt. No, but, no, he's the greatest manager of all time. Yeah, oh, right. Well, the, that yeah, makes Premier League manager of all time. He yeah, gave apparently gave Jose Mourinho like one piece of advice while he was at Manchester United, and that was to sign Delhi. Yeah. That, that that was that was his advice. He said the way, the way that he plays his aggression, the way he is 
a he's going to be a great player. And the only thing that Jose Mourinho seems to spot it right away, like the first day of training that Mourinho is there, he walks up to Dell and he's like, oh, you're just a lazy player, aren't you? And it's, yeah. I, it's, I, and I don't, I, I'm not saying that he doesn't want to be great. I am saying that there is something going on in his head that is preventing him from reaching that ability. Because you're right, he is not a striker. And the man scored over 20 goals all competitions as a 21-year-old, I think it was. Or 22. Yeah, uh, maybe even 20. Might have been 20. He might have been 20 years away. I mean, that's, that it, is a nuts level of production at the, you know, the top level of the game in the world. It, it, you would expect him to keep going, obviously, with that. And it, it's fallen off. And everybody seems to point to the same thing. It's, he's just kind of aloof. He's not locked in. And so I think... For Everton, this transfer could make a lot of sense, but what you need to do, this is different than most other signings, right? Because you bring in somebody like Fred, who I actually kind of love because everybody hates him and I feel like he's better than they at least think. I mean, he's working his butt off the whole time that, that he's yeah. out there. And, and a lot a lot of these guys will be. You have no concerns about Dusan Vlavic playing to his potential when you've signed him at Juventus. He's going to try everything he can do to get to that level. Delhi is a different signing. You need to find a way to get to him. And, and, and there's a lot of people that will think that they can do that. I don't know if you bring in his mom and put her on the staff, but you got to do something to get inside his head and unlock the Delhi that was leading the English national team out of the tunnel when he was 21 years old. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, d I don't know what I expect from the transfer. I don't know what Everton expect. I feel like Everton are at a point now where they've got Lampard in and they've signed Deli Ali. Or sorry, we'll call him Deli for the sake of this. And what what are they what are they realistically expecting? If he can't do it next to Harry Kane, who is one of the better, Harry Kane, admittedly, right, has had a poor year so far. Then when is he is he going to start doing it now with Calvert Lewin, who strikes me as a relatively similar player to Kane, like similar skill set? It'll be fascinating. I think the fact he's got Frank Lampard backing him is going to be absolutely crucial. I will say just a little tidbit. I like that Rafa's gone. You know, that Liverpool influence has gone. Deli Ali life, uh, was, I say, lifelong uh, childhood Liverpool fan. So, again, another <laughs> bit of infiltration from the Liverpool massive into Everton. Love that from, love that from everybody, frankly. Uh, it'll be fascinating to see how he does, though. Because, in theory... This is the right manager and the right kind of club for him to have that little bit of freedom. There won't be as many eyes. The pressure will be slightly less. I, I, I hope he turns it around and I hope he becomes the player we remember him to be. He's had a lot of off-the-pitch off the stuff. I think he was held at knife point like a couple of years ago. Like You don't know what that does to a person. Do you know what I mean? And it, That's and what it I said. I, I, always, I always get the feeling that he's locked in his own head when I'm watching and, him and that, play. Yeah, and that, and that, that might be it because, again, from where he was being talked about to where he is now to being sort of sold on a free with like he's not it's, it's, it's like the sort of transfer that would happen if he was 33 but he's in what should be the peak of his powers at 27 or 20 25 sorry which is where a lot of players tend to peak and then hold it for 10 years now it's a bit i don't want to say it's make or break for him but you look at some english like midfielders this has happened to you look at the likes of jack wilshire where it was like well, i think injuries were his problem right and he never quite found the form that was expected of him and you worry that that Delhi will fall into that uh, category I, I th if he's not careful. I think I always lumped him in with Lingard. They were very similar types of players for me, and I know Delhi was more successful than Jesse Lingard at their peaks. But they, is somebody who's an unbiased observer, right? I'm not English. I don't have a Premier League team. I'm just watching 
the English national team in, in, in the Euros that has Jesse Lingard and Delhi out on the wings. And yeah. now both of them just fell into this complete disrepair. But you saw what happened when Lingard went to West Ham. Everybody went, oh, he can still play. I think there's a yeah. possibility that that happens, but I think there is an equal possibility where this gets really ugly, right? Because you can't just point to, well, he's not playing at Tottenham. Like, what if you actually just start playing him every match and he's just awful? Yeah. I think those I, are the I, only I, I, two I, I, options because he has a lot of talent and he should be capable of scoring 10, 15 goals in the season with Everton. Yeah. But he could just as easily check out mentally well, and then Everton, what happens Everton, Everton shouldn't get relegated right it would be it would be, be very very sad but the idea of shouldn't get relegated no team's good enough to not not ever ha have it happen to them and Everton have always been in the Premier League they're a, one of the most stalwart Premier League sides you'll find but you're right if he's not playing well in the first few games and Lampard's job is immediately under fire and Everton are at risk of relegation how long can you give him realistically you can't, so it's gonna be you, can't you just can't give him time well, this is the thing. It's going to be fascinating to see, right? It's got Van der Beek behind him with a point to prove. Maybe those two together will be a really nice combo combination. I, I feel like that actually is is what both of them need. Kind of, I think stylistically, they're quite a good match. I guess we'll see in, in the future games to come. It will be really interesting. Um, Luis Diaz, let's stay in Liverpool <laughs> for, for a moment. There we go. Oh my God, we've signed. We've. I can't. I. I can't believe it. I can't believe we've signed Luis Diaz. I'm so excited. It's a classic. This is about as much money as I would ever expect Liverpool to spend, but I don't. I totally think it's worth it. He fits the scheme perfectly. Because what you're oh. doing is you're counting on losing one of your forward players, whether it's Mo Salah, whether it's Firmino. Like one of those guys is going to go. You just Luis Diaz is there. That's it. Oh mate, it's so exciting. Mane, Firmino, and Salah all out of contracts at the same time, all the same age. Big concern. So what do we do? We sign the hottest prospect from from the Portuguese leagues at 25 years of age. Ha oh. <laughs> That's what. That's how I feel about it. And I feel like you words. guys. I feel like he could have been more expensive than this. I expected some like a 70, 75 million dollar transfer, yeah. and you got him for yeah. 50 million US, which I. I mean, it has clauses to go up, but. This was a, sort of, a well done. I, I think it's probably because Luis Diaz wanted to leave at 25. It's kind of a now or never yes, if you want to make the jump to the super high level. Yeah, I was going to say like, there's probably a desire for him to go and prove himself elsewhere. And because of the type of player he is, and I, I think there's, there's a world as well that in three years' time, if Liverpool aren't quite cooking at the level which everyone expects them to, but he's playing really well, that he could, he could move for huge money from Liverpool at some stage it's a very shrewd smart investment from Liverpool for a, a board that get criticised for not spending money um, I think it's been proven once again that we'll spend it when it's right and if the player's there we will make the move and he and this is a player that's been on our radar I think for a couple of years if you believe reports so oh, very excited to see the Chad very excited <laughs> to see him play no, for if Liverpool I, if, I I were, if I were you I'd be excited uh, football manager news Julian Alvarez is no longer available to sign because he oh. moved to Manchester City I know. I almost don't want to talk about it. It's, oh, they've got to stop doing this. Stop taking... Big teams should have a pact that they just leave Wonder Kids alone. <laughs> and now Alvarez has gone. He's a massive part of my stream save with Norwich at the moment. I love it. I've got... I've, I'm doing a Norwich save. Sorry to talk about football manager listeners. I know you're not here for this. Um, we've got a team now which has got... Like, it's very Wonder Kid central. I now have Makoko at Norwich. Third season, by the way, Z. So it's... Yeah. You'd be afraid in the network game. I don't know what I'm doing in the early part of the Premier League. Should be should be terrified. Um, yeah, we've got we've got Julian Alvarez one side. We've got Makoko there as well. Esposito on loan at one stage. Mm. Uh, Maddie Kamara in there as well. 
uh kabak all right yeah fair enough it's gone a bit too far but yeah we're a very exciting norwich team tune in listeners um but yeah, now they've removed another one. Very infuriating. The other, the other big name, oh, by the way. It, was, it wasn't the only one they removed. The, my my number one, I make this video every year. 20 best hidden wonder kids. Yeah. Right? My 20 best hidden wonder kids. And these are guys that are at clubs that you can sign for, you can sign them for a very small fee. The number one guy on that list two years in a row, Matias Arezzo in Gran yes. Granada in La Liga finally signed him. Yeah, from a few years Anel, I can't say his surname, but you know who I mean. The defender at Malmo, whose first name is Anel, and it's like oh, Akhmedozic. Yeah, yeah. I, between us, we've nailed that. Um, <laughs> yeah, he could be like he again. He could be sort of anything he wants to be, and he's moved on as well now. I think he's gone to Marseille. I want to say something like is it Marseille, Bordeaux, Marseille, somewhere like that, somewhere in France anyway. And again, he could be one of the futures of defending. Which is very exciting. The, right, right, we've got to talk about them, right? Because we talked about this at the start of January. They've made five signings. Newcastle United are back. Hey, yeah, here they, here they are. Here they are. We, so well, how about this? Was this? Here's my question to you. Because we knew they were going to sign people. Did yeah. they sign more people than you thought they would? Less people than you thought they would? Or just about this is what you expected? I thought there'd probably be six or seven in this five. So it's a little less than I expected, I would say. Uh, they brought Matt Target in from Aston Villa on loan to replace, uh, to replace, uh, I guess, Jamal Lewis, who normally plays there. Dan Byrne has been bought from Brighton. Are you Love very familiar with Dan Byrne? He's just six foot seven. They just bought a man. They've basically, we were, me and Jack were talking about it. They've signed players to fit the Football Manager 22 engine. They yeah. thought this is what we need. They've brought Trippier in to cross the ball in to big men, Chris Woods. The most exciting, though, and again, his surname might go beyond me. I, Bruno, I got you. you um, we'll do it like we did on the last one. You say the first oh, name. Okay. Yeah, Bruno. Guimarães. I said Guimarães, but well, yeah, works works both the same. I, um, I managed in Portugal, and I have a, I have a large Portuguese audience, and so I, ah, I got a lot okay. of schooling on how to say the I'm, tr I'm, tr I'm trusting you. He's 24. They've signed him from Leon. If if he plays like he does for Leon for Newcastle United, this could not just be one of the most interesting transfers of Newcastle's window, but of the Premier League window. He's he's really exciting. I'm I'm fascinated to see how he does for this uh, this Newcastle side. Uh, Newcastle, that was the that was the big pickup that they needed. Like everybody else, they're just signing players to try and survive in the Premier League from Target to Dan Byrne to Chris Wood, who had a release clause that they discovered, which I think is hilarious. Because yeah. <laughs> it was it Kieran Trippier had the same agent. And so they did yes, the Kieran Trippier yes. deal and the agent just kind of sits there and goes, <clears throat> Wood has a release clause. And they went, what? I imagine he was walking out of the office. And they went, oh, by the way, just before I leave, uh, Chris Wood, Burnley strong. You know him? Yeah, he's massive. 20 million if you want him. Anyway, see that? You take care. Like, whoa, 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 come back in. Take a sit back down. Sit back oh, down. Oh, hold on. That's yeah. what I like to think of. Well, then Burnley, everybody thinks Burnley's dead, and they go out and find another 6'6 six, six striker who I actually love, love Wegghorse, and they bring him That's in. That's amazing. It's incredible. Yeah. That's so good. Tottenham have brought in uh, Rodrigo Bentecure from Juventus and Dijan Kulazewski as well. They've brought in two boys from Juve that are both like quite They're good. good. Now, Kulazevsky like, in particular is is great. He is yeah, a fantastic the, player. 
in, in a window where they've let go of this is again so strange let go of um and has gone out to leon obviously has replaced uh, bruno who's gone to newcastle uh, brian gill's gone to valencia on loan lacelso has gone to villarreal and obviously uh, delhi has gone to delhi ali okay sorry sorry delhi if you're listening I've, I've ruined your name many times here um has gone to everton so they've uh, four have gone out four pretty key players and they've brought in these two boys streamline their squad a little bit but yeah. some real quality additions oh, in the, the Kulisevsky is a, it's a purchase for 35 million which means Juve is just going to break even because Kulisevsky had been inconsistent but that's somebody that's been hyped up for so long that the oh, fact yeah. that Tottenham was able to get him surprises me and then Bentecourt 21 I I love I love Bentecourt because he was forced out by Weston McKinney and that and that just makes me feel very it just makes me feel so proud of the American that's national team. guys is it is that how that works? That's just a total win for the US. Yeah, absolutely. He got US, kicked US out of the UV midfield by Weston McKinney. It's up in Decorah's going to go to Tottenham now. Uh, right, let's cover two more. Aubameyang has gone to Barcelona. No, I was going to say Barcelona's transfer window we need to talk about because I have a I have a wager with my roommate from Syracuse. I bet him a steak dinner that Barcelona would be in the top four at the end of the year. I believed they would be. He believed they wouldn't. Oh, they will be. Surely. And, and, well, you're right. Right. But I didn't know they were going to have a transfer window where they went out and just signed meh players. Uh, they went out and yeah. got Aubameyang, who hasn't been good in a year and a half. And they signed Adama Traore, who I think is kind of like the Braithwaite signing. It's one of those things where he's a good player, but this is Barcelona we're talking about here. right? And they're picking scraps <laughs> up from Arsenal. And they're signing Adama Traore, who is... An above-average Premier League player, but this is Barcelona. Every time I look at the roster, I just go, "This is Barcelona. They should have the best players in the world, or some of them." Yeah, what what worries me about the Barcelona transfer window? So the four main guys they've brought in, they've brought in Dani Alves on a free, who's thirty-eight. They've brought in Adama Traore from Wolves uh, on loan. They've brought Aubameyang in on a, on a weird free transfer because Arsenal are just like, yeah, we'll save the twenty-nine million in wages, whatever. And then Ferran Torres for fifty million. It is the most Doctor Benji looking <laughs> transfer window I've ever seen, I and believe. that is not that is not a good thing. Let me tell you, Coutinho has left. Obviously, Aguero is now retired, and Yusuf Demir um has, has gone to rapid vienna so uh, yeah it's uh, it's not uh, not for me mr shannon not for, I, I don't like it at all they might be they might be fine but it looks pretty desperate i i think it's they're trying to patch holes that's what it looks like to me and ansu fati can't stay healthy so you need a wing and so who's available short term you go get adama because he's been there before uh, you go get Aubameyang, who's probably always wanted to be at Barcelona at some point, and you're basically finding a chance to pick up a ridiculous wage, which you wonder, mm. you know, miraculous how Barcelona ended up in so much debt. And then they spend 62 million <laughs> US dollars to get Ferran Torres, and Manchester City couldn't seem to get him out the door fast enough for that. Yeah, very strange. Like Every single, there's one transfer in the whole window that I look at and I go, that is lovely. One, there's one, which I'll come to in a moment. But every single January transfer window, every single player that's moved, and you try and find me one that's not, not this case, listeners. Feel free to tweet me the player, whoever it is. Every single one looks like a risk. Every single one. You look at it and go, I'm not sure about that. That is surprising. <laughs> I can't find a safe transfer. Okay, the one that I like, Z, and I think we can both get on board with, is that Brentford have picked up Christian Eriksen on, on a Oh, yeah. Free oh, I love that. I love that. I thought, it was, I thought it was stupid that Syria had that rule that he couldn't play. Because yeah, normally, so. if you say it on the surface, well, uh, you're saying somebody can't play because they've got like a stint in their heart. But every other league seems to allow that. And Dally Blind, who a lot of people that are listening to this podcast would have heard of, longtime Dutch yeah. backline guy, United guy at one point, 
he has a stint in his heart. And he's been playing for years with a stint in his heart. And so it is possible to to do that in a safe way. And so it's not like a dangerous thing. I mean, obviously you don't know the specifics of Christian's situation, but inherently playing with a stint in your heart is not a dangerous thing. I'm just happy a team gave him a chance because yeah, there's, a, he, he's is a competitor, right? And he is a competitor at the highest level. He's going to want to prove himself again. And he's going to want to get yeah. back on the horse. That's going to be a really crazy special day when he gets back on a field, like in front yeah, of I a crowd. Brentford's a great club for as well because he, again, he kind of got under the radar for him. There exactly. Some, like intense media pressure. It'd be nice. I guess to, to round us off, West Ham didn't sign a single footballer. Uh, Norwich didn't sign anybody. Let Todd Cantwell go to Bournemouth. Manchester United didn't sign anybody. Leicester didn't sign anybody. Chelsea didn't sign anybody. Bit surprised at some of those. I guess a lot of them spent big in the summer yeah. and that's probably a major factor as to why. But you look at some of those teams, you'd think they could do with a bit of an injection of... I don't know the, the, the new player bounce. I guess you would call it. But I'm surprised yeah, that Chelsea, Chelsea's got. I'm surprised Chelsea didn't sign two more wingers over the transfer window. That's they just hoard their for their the players for their front three, and yeah, uh, they're always really, thinking really about a new guy to put up there. The Lukaku situation's awkward, but uh, this my second favorite transfer outside of Ericsson is one I knew you weren't going to touch on. The biggest transfer in MLS history: Ricardo Pepe, twenty million dollars to Augsburg in Germany. 18 years old are you is it is he, is he one to actually look out for or is he just well yeah he's he's, he's, what, he's 19 right so he's got a lot he of, a lot just of to he something. just turned 19 after the transfer i think he is the u.s he's the best striker the united states has and he's that oh, wow. age so well he's okay. he's so start he's talk. he's started uh i think since he broke into the national team which was really it wasn't dependent on him being called up it was dependent on him choosing a national team because he's a unique he's in a uniquely american situation a uniquely kind of concacaf situation he was born in el paso texas to mexican immigrants to texas which okay. if you don't know where el paso is it is on the border it's a dual city with juarez on the other side and so you are i mean you talk about somebody that just encapsulates being right in the middle of this incredibly intense rivalry so he had to choose which team to play for and he chose the u.s national team we called him up and he scored a goal in each of his first three caps that's that's the sort of beginnings you want i would say and that, okay. yeah he just he, he's he just scores goals he's one of those guys he, he reminds he's kind of like dusan vlavic where he's not going to pick the ball up and cook a bunch of people on the dribble but he just he puts the ball in the net foot head uh he, big frame he's a good player and he's a really good yeah. player. And I, I think it was worth it, but it's a weird transfer. It's like the, he broke the transfer record at Augsburg. They're not a team that spends $20 million on players. So they basically just went all out to try and stay up in the Bundesliga by signing Ricardo Pepe. It's either going to be a really good idea because he'll become the talisman or it'll flame out because he needed a little more support around him to make that adjustment. Yeah. I'm just looking at the, Tex the Texas-New Mexico border. Yeah, are you and did you look up where El Paso is? Because the Texas yes, New Mexico. I did. <laughs> yeah, this is. If you do this at home, if you haven't, because I'm not kidding yeah. when I say it is on the border and it's a split city. Juarez is half the city, and El Paso is half the city. All I can think is tunnels. There must be loads of tunnels, <laughs> right? There like, are. That is crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there are. I mean. It's. Um, I just, I just, tr I went along the whole border and thought, surely there must be more bridges or more ways to get across but there really aren't like the border is very much it's like a little river 
in it's, between. It's not a little river. It's the Rio Grande, actually. It's which, which, if you don't know, the Rio Grande River is actually... It's no Thames, listeners. Let me tell you, it's no Thames. That, no, uh, well, yeah. okay. The Rio Grande is actually what carved the Grand Canyon. So if you're ever in the Grand Canyon, you're looking at the Rio Grande River. Just, you know, wow. before you dump on the Rio Grande too much. That's the no, same it's river. Fun. It's so. one of my favorite. It's in my top three rivers. Um, <laughs> I, I'm a big fan. But yeah, I didn't quote... I, I, okay, this is the sort of thing that you know, but until you look up, you don't fully know. But yeah, that's that's absolutely bizarre. I'll pay. I'm sure, he's great at football because of it. Uh, uh, no, I, yeah, it's uh, it's a hotbed for the. The funny thing is, he's not the only person that came through the FC Dallas Academy at that time that was in that situation. The U.S. national team not only called up Ricardo Pepe for this window, they called up another striker from FC Dallas called uh, or named Jesus Ferreira, who is like basically the same situation. He's just not quite as good as Ricardo Pepe is. But it's yeah. a real, it's a real hotbed for the U.S. national team. Is that West Texas area? I, I bet it's literally hot as well. Oh, it's, it's, well it's hot. baking that whole. Oh. I mean, look at West Texas. So East Texas, you get the green if you're on Google Maps. Like you have Dallas, yeah. Houston, San Antonio, and Austin. Those are the big cities in Texas. And then as you go west, there's just nothing. I I've done that drive. I've driven through El Paso because we drove to Phoenix one time, and. This west part of Texas gets so remote that you can buy an entire acre of land for $60. Hang on, where did you drive from to get to Phoenix? Florida. That's, that's ages, honestly. That's well, it's, like, it's the classic American road trip. It was fun. I would love to... Right, I'm saying this again, I'm saying it again on the podcast. It's been a while. I want to go on a road trip with Zealand across America, and I don't want to have to pay for it. So if anyone wants to sponsor it, <laughs> then... Please do. I would love would, that. That would it would be an incredible. Uh, oh, I'd, uh, I'd learn so much about myself. I'd love it. I'd love it so much. You know, you know the area. That, you know the area you'd want. To, we're really just we're, we're just lost in the dreams now. But this is my favorite road trip that I've ever done, and I've done a lot of road trips. I've driven all over the country for for one for work, and my family did it when I was growing up. Is yeah. the national parks of the Northwest? I'm talking Yellowstone. I'm talking Grand Teton in Wyoming. Uh, that is uh, the Arches National Park in, in Utah or Nevada. I can't remember where it is. Redstone National Park. Like the national parks in the natural beauty that is in the like the northwest part of the United States is just insane. Yeah. Well, let's not limit it to one. I mean, you know, we'll make a video series out of all of this. Let's do one over there and then let's do one down the East Coast. We'll do New York, my hometown, New York, right. to Florida, your hometown. Uh. That'd be good. But you got to start in Maine. In Maine, we get some lobster up there. Do you want, yes, yes, let's do that. Yeah, um, you've sold me. There you yeah, go. I'm in. You start in Portland, Maine, and you go all the way down to the end of the Keys. That's what you have to do. Oh, I'd love that. Oh, I'd love that so much. All right, well, now be, that we've cooked that up that plan, that's where Ricardo Pepe came from. And so he's yeah, a very interesting, uniquely American kind of player. I, I really love him. Not just as a player, but like, I love the story and the fact that he wanted to play for the U.S. and... I mean, I can't even imagine because there there is a rich history of Mexican American players that have to make the decision which country they're going to play for, and the moment they oh, make that decision, yeah. like how about this? The third string goalkeeper for the U.S. national team at the Nations League final that we won against Mexico did his one time switch and plays for Mexico now. Oh my word! Drama. It is. Like, is there's that, is a that, lot is that, of drama. Is it frowned upon, or is it just sort of like, oh, that's the rule? Is so it, is it, the well, rule. I, I wouldn't say it's frowned upon, but it is one of those things where that engenders a special hatred because he has his Nations League winning medal as an American. Yeah. 
and now he plays for the Mexican national team. It's, it's just crazy. And a lot of the U.S. hotbeds for player development are all along the Mexican border. Los Angeles, you have LAFC and LA Galaxy. Both of those clubs are very good at producing good young players. And then Dallas is just an exceptionally good youth academy that produces national team players all le like left, right, and center. Houston, not so much, but <laughs> they, they try. Yeah. No, I love it. I love it. I, we will follow the career of Ricardo Pepe forever now. I feel like well, I mean, you, you will regardless because the United States is going places and he's going to be at, yeah. at the front of the charge. Speaking of which, it's time for your World Cup qualifying update. Yeah, let's do this. Yeah. So, uh, listeners, I will see you next week, New Zealand. <laughs> Take it away. I'll, I'll be here. I'll chip in. Uh, so the United States lost to Canada. You might have heard, but we did beat Honduras in the stupidest game ever played. Uh, because I don't know if you were paying attention. The United States decided to play outdoors in Minnesota in January. Well, February 2nd or whatever it was. It's cold, though, isn't it? That was uh, four cold. degrees. It was four degrees oh, okay. before wind so chill. And that's Fahrenheit, which, if you're doing your math at home, is negative 16 Celsius. <laughs> I've never never felt it. No, <laughs> even come close. I think the, the lowest minus ever is like minus four or five around here. And that is that's chilly. So uh, no, yeah, they were they they were playing in the wind chill was about minus ten Fahrenheit, which is minus something greater than sixteen uh, in Celsius. The Honduran goalkeeper had Sorry, to be. See. I don't do know. Say, do, hmm? do you ever say the word chili? I I do. Yeah, I'm familiar with. I can't picture it. Go on, chili. Uh, not as not as exciting as I'd hoped. Sorry, I cut <laughs> off your flow there. Apologies. <laughs> I don't know what you're expecting there. The Honduran <laughs> goalkeeper was substituted at halftime. And Chile. there was some confusion about that because he'd made a few good saves. Uh, it was then revealed at the end of the game that he was substituted at halftime because he was suffering symptoms of hypothermia. Yeah, he's minus 16. They should all be <laughs> suffering from it. And I'm like, like with the, honestly, this out. is too far. Because the U.S., we always try and do this. And Canada does it too. But Canada doesn't exactly have a lot of warm options. Where you're playing these teams from Central America or the Caribbean. And you go, you know, we're just going to make it miserable. We're going to make it really cold. <laughs> we're going to play in a really cold place. But, like, this is too far. Right? Normally, you're play, you play at it. 25 degrees Fahrenheit, which would be like negative one Celsius or negative two Celsius or something like that. But negative 16 Celsius for Fahrenheit mm. is a whole other level of just, I mean, exposed skin, according to the National Weather Service, exposed skin would be frostbitten in 15 minutes in that weather. Yeah. There were, there were 19,000 people there. Oh, like, the crowd was great. Watch the goals. There was some great limbs. You'd have to be huddled, wouldn't you? I mean, no, like, well, there were a couple. I mean, they're Minnesotans. They're kind of crazy. They There were a couple of people that were shirtless. Ah, see, that's ridiculous. Well, there's a lot of beer involved in that. Well, there'd have to be. I mean, that is <laughs> that is a nonsense. No, like, they, after one me? of the goals, they cut to the crowd and there were two shirtless dudes like leading the chants and stuff. Oh, you and your brother just giving it large. Yeah, large and, uh, you, you yeah. just, I mean, they've got the Ushankas on. They're just, it's Minnesota to the core. Uh, but one of those. CONCACAF World Cup qualifying has, has separated a bit because Mexico managed to score an 80th minute pin. Uh, to, to give itself a four-point lead over Panama. And, of course, we beat Honduras and we beat El Salvador. Even though we lost to Canada, we're still cooking. So the United States has got 21 points and so does Mexico. Canada has 25 okay. points because, get this, Canada's won six straight matches. Look at them go. Look at them go. And I'm I, proud of them. Oh, I was talking about this with one of my friends yesterday. There was no warning that this was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> they had to go through the qualifying process to get to the octagonal, right? The, the, the top, 
I think it was the top yeah. four teams in CONCACAF, which would have been USA, Mexico, like Costa Rica, Panama, all got automatic qualification to the octagonal. And then the, the other four teams were made up of teams that had to go through this qualifying process to get in, and that ends with a playoff. Canada's playoff opponent was Haiti, who is decent, right? If you're playing terribly, you could draw them from a U.S. perspective. They have a couple of guys. They have a bunch of guys in the French leagues. They Canada beat Haiti 3-2 to two on aggregate. They drew one Easy. of the matches, and they won at home 2-1 to one because the Haitian goalkeeper scored potentially the worst own goal I've ever seen in my life. And Love so that. That, was the, and that was the only difference. If he doesn't score that own goal, it's 2-2. Two to two. And Canada and Haiti are going to extra time. And when you look at it this way, the other three teams that came through the qualifying, El Salvador is sixth, Jamaica is seventh, Honduras is eighth. Predictable. Which mean, And the only other team that came through the qualifying is Canada and they're top of the group with six straight wins. There was yeah, no warning Mexico. this was coming. None. Look at them go. Look at them go. And this is, do you know, this is great, isn't it? Because you're hosting in 26, right? So yeah. You want this. You want you. You want you, yourselves, Mexico and Canada, to be cooking by that point. Oh, and in theory, Canada will be. Will well, be. Like, I mean, my goodness. Yeah, like, like some of the, some of the players you've got coming through, right? We've talked about a couple already. Like the US have got some real prospects coming through. Canada have got some young kids coming through as well. It's going to be exciting. Come twenty six, and uh, you know that will be completing our road trip around then as well. So that'll be yeah, that, that'd be wonderful. The the real drama left in World Cup qualifying in Concacaf now. I hope is Panama and Costa Rica are battling for the intercontinental playoff spot. They're one point apart. Panama's four points off everybody. Costa Rica's five. So unless Mexico and the U or the U.S. start to really lose in the final window. Uh, but the U.S. and Mexico do play in the final window. And we play at the Azteca. It's going to be a lot of, lot of drama. South America is probably where we should have our interest focused, though, because a huge window for Peru and Uruguay has put them into qualifying spots. While Chile and Colombia is probably going to miss the World Cup, Ben. Thoughts? I don't. I don't like that. We talked about this, didn't we, last time? They were very close. We knew like fixtures would uh, the upcoming fixtures would shape the way it looked. Yeah, and it looks like Colombia right now are in a pain, of, oh, a world of pain. Sorry. Yeah, yeah it's, it's they, looking good for them. They had the they had a big six pointer with Peru that they lost, and then are they lost Argentina as well? So they're four points off the playoff. Not even anything. Bolivia's officially Look. out. Paraguay's officially out. Bolivia in particular makes me sad. They choked. They lost to Bolivia by three goals. Or, or no, they lost to Venezuela by three goals. And that's when I knew the dream was dead. It was sad. I kind of like the idea that Luis Diaz is going to get the summer off, though. <laughs> so, oh, true, off, true, even. true. Well, so, it's the know. November off, technically. Yeah, that's the November off. Have a long Christmas, mate. Enjoy it. No, on that, so on that sense, I'm, I'm kind of fine with it. Luis Diaz, nice and rested. Colombia essentially has to win its last two matches to have a chance. Chile and the Brereton, the, the fighting Brereton Diaz still have a chance too. They're two points off Peru and three points off Uruguay. Ecuador should be at the World Cup. Ben, can you name one Ecuadorian player? Can I name one Ecuadorian? Um, well, I mean, is, is um, Enna Valencia, former Everton or Wigan player? I'm, I'm, I'm pulling it up right now. I honest, okay. honest to goodness, oh God, I do not, I do not know. So you're looking for Ener Valencia. He was a striker for them. Ener Valencia. Uh, or no, he still play. No, he's Brilliant. not. He's um, not on the team. They are third in South American qualifying. They've had an amazing qualifying. Um, oh, uh, the guy that's at Brighton now. I, I know you didn't expect me to name any, so sorry that I'm even doing this. Um, Salcedo. Is it Salcedo? Is that oh, said? you got him. Yes, Moises Casado. Yeah, yeah, I knew, but he's yeah, at Brighton. Yeah, they have. Yeah. They have one Premier League player. 
they have a lot more MLS players than you probably expect. They really only have five or six European guys. They have one player at Bayer Leverkusen, one at Villarreal, one at Augsburg, playing with my boy Ricardo Pepe, one at Faladolid, and one at Brighton. And that's it. Wow. The rest of them Where play in the MLS or the Ecuadorian Where's League that? or the Mexican League. Where's Enna Valencia? Is he still playing? Oh, he plays with Fenerbahce. I don't know if he plays for the national team anymore. He might have retired. I don't know. I have to, I have to look up Enna Valencia just to make sure he was still, you know. Okay. It's not around anymore. Oh, this this new generation of Ecuadorian players, they've they've figured it out for I don't know how, for better or worse. They just went out and drew Brazil during this window. Yeah, I'm looking at, I'm just looking at their squad now. They should not be third. <laughs> no, the they, they shouldn't even <laughs> be close to third. But that's why that's why you play the qualifying, because now Canada is top of CONCACAF and Ecuador is third ahead of Uruguay, Peru, Chile, and Colombia. Yeah, and this is going to sound obvious, but the the, uh, the South American qualifying is quite literally the Wild West of of World Cup qualifying, and I am all in favor of it. Oh, if you if if you've never been to a, an El Salvador v Honduras match or any match qualifying in Africa, you don't understand the meaning of the Wild West and qualifying. Well, you are literally in the you are literally the West, though, aren't you on the global map? So that's sort I of what I, really, I, yeah, I mean. I mean, geographically, I I guess you're right. Right. Yeah, I was doing, yes, I was doing it geographically. I didn't. I didn't mean it literally. Well, thanks, but yeah. And that, that's the World Cup qualifying update. Asia's not exciting at all anymore. South Korea's clinched no. its qualification, which I knew you were you were on pins and needles about that. And I so was happy all that, night. Yeah, panic. <laughs> I woke up nice and early in the morning uh, to, to watch that. But United Arab Emirates has a chance to go to the Asian playoff, and it looks like they'll be playing Australia, which is interesting. So the team's three right now. Qatar get in as hosts. Yes. Uh, Germany, Denmark, Brazil, France, Belgium, Croatia, Spain, Serbia, England, Switzerland, the Netherlands, uh, Argentina, Iran, and South Korea. And there's still lots of spaces left to be taken. Who's your favorite out of that, Lissy? Right now, today. Oh, Brazil and Argentina were so good in qualifying that you have, I have, ugh, there's no way to discount them. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with an interesting pick that's going to trigger you maybe. I think England's got to be one of the favorites for this tournament oh god okay well uh, we should you know we should do some sort of world cup special when it rolls around i'm sure i'm sure we will around. you know i'll have the whole qualifying story which you would have already known because you've been listening to these podcasts thank you by the way it's true thank you zealand thank, and that's not just from me that's from all the listeners so very <laughs> much that's a, somebody's got to do it <laughs> Uh, I think that's going to bring us to the end. This was lovely. Good chat. Oh, it's, it's always it's always lovely. I think we're actually going to start to get into a weekly formula. We're recording Thursday morning before the network streams. And if you oh, haven't yeah, watched yeah. those, what are you doing? Yeah, it's on every Thursday from around 7 o'clock till 11 until probably next week where Kevin tells us that he's got to sleep or something like that. <sighs> uh, thank you, Stephen Shannon. See you next week. It was, thanks for having me. <laughs> not a I, was like, I said not a pleasure. I didn't mean it. I loved every second. Goodbye, everybody. Unbelievable.